Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. On today's episode, GIST Healthcare co-founders Chaz Rhodes and Dr. Lisa Belamovich talk about recent investment activity in primary care startups, which are trying to revamp the traditional practice model by putting consumers at the center. It's Monday, May 17th, and I'm Alex Olgan with GIST Healthcare Daily, where you get the headlines and health business and policy news in under 10 minutes. If you like the podcast, please leave us a rating or a review. It helps other listeners find the show. In the last year, primary care startups have been getting big investments, and many, like Oak Street Health, One Medical, and Agilon Health, have gone public. But traditionally, primary care, which makes up just about 6% of healthcare spending, hasn't been nearly as lucrative as other specialties. GIST Healthcare co-founders Chaz Rhodes and Dr. Lisa Belamovich join me to talk about how these companies, which are reimagining primary care to be centered around the consumer, are redefining expectations and access. Good to be with you again, Alex. Good to see you, Alex. So let's dive right in. What should we make of all the recent primary care investments by insurers, venture capitalists, and the multitudes of primary care companies going public? Yeah, it seems like we're in the middle of a, of a almost like a tulip bubble now in primary care. You, I would have been very surprised, you know, 15, 20 years ago, if you'd told me that the latest, you know, hot investor fad would be to invest in, in primary care practices. Um, you know, clearly there is a theory of the case here uh, about um, rolling up practices uh, and and eventually selling those practices to strategic buyers. I continue to think um, you know, as we've said before, that there are really two long-term strategic owners of, of primary care, um, each with its own theory on how you actually monetize primary care, because primary care practices on their own, it's not a growth stock and it's not a terrifically profitable business to be in. Two strategic buyers, one is health systems who want to own primary care for the traditional reason that it's a source of referrals for hospitals uh, or for specialists or for someone downstream of the primary care doctor. And then insurance companies uh, for whom primary care serves exactly the opposite role, which is to keep people away from specialists and to keep people away from hospitals uh, by managing their utilization. Anybody else is just, uh, I think, just has a short-term economic interest in rolling up those practices and selling them to one of those strategic buyers. I do not believe that there are long-term owners of primary care, other than maybe the doctors themselves, who are trying to monetize primary care on its own economic bottom. 
So do you think Village MD, Oak Street Health, and all of these others that went public are just sort of a middle step to final insurance or hospital ownership? I mean, I, you know, I don't want to discount the value that they're creating because a lot of these innovators are either remaking how primary care is delivered or they're adding a technology component or they're adding a consumer engagement component uh, or some other access related uh, approach or population health related approach. And so they're improving the practice of primary care. I, I, so I think we should give them credit for doing that because the traditional operators of primary care haven't you know, really done that over time. But as to long-term growth potential of the business, I mean, there's only so much primary care to go around and it's only going to grow so fast. And I think that, uh, you know, that it probably has to be part of some larger strategic play for it to make sense as a long-term investment. Clearly the innovators and startups are onto something. They've identified consumer needs and gaps in the current primary care system. Oak Street and Iora have a fantastic clinical product to be able to manage higher risk, older patients with chronic disease. Uh, One Medical and all of the tech telemedicine startups recognized a pent up need for ready, available, convenient access. All of those are foundational to the direction that primary care needs to grow. It's a completely different question whether primary care, even an innovative model, is going to deliver the kind of returns that the market expects of, say, a technology company, which is how some of uh, these uh, practices are billing themselves. I think it's important to define primary care because it's often talked about as a specific thing. So Lisa, what medical professionals or services would you say make up primary care? Yeah, I think that is a really important concept that anyone thinking about the future of primary care, what we need to build, uh, needs to consider. If you think about primary care by the functions it serves or the jobs that it does for patients, you know, primary care is, and let's just start building a short list. It is access for an acute problem that I have. It is ongoing management of my health and keeping me well. It is treating me for a chronic condition that is ongoing and may last for the rest of my life. It is coordinating all of my care and getting me access to the best specialists and other services I may need for things that begin to push the boundaries of primary care. Chaz, is there anything you would add to that list? It's taking care of uh, conditions that are specific to women, for example. So I think you can think of OB services as a form of primary care. It's taking care of the unique condition of being a kid. So I think, you know, pediatrics is a form of primary care. So I think you could expand the definition to include dentistry, uh, frankly, and sort of primary dentistry. So there's a lot of jobs that primary care does. Lumping it all together in one category, uh, you know, reimbursing it in one way, thinking about its role in the delivery system in one uniform way, I think leads you to the wrong kinds of conversations about strategy and investment and so forth. So how should health systems or others investing in primary care think about it? Approaching it from the lens of what is it we're trying to accomplish for patients uh, and consumers with primary care could lead you to some different 
lead you to some different answers, right? I mean, so if what you're really trying to do is expand access, then having a primary care doctor, whatever that is, you know, matched up with a patient probably is not the best way to expand access. Probably, probably what you want is that patient to connect to an access methodology through which they get uh, funneled into whatever the most appropriate form of care is. And that access methodology could be online, it could be an app, it, you know, it could be texting, you know, uh, it could be a lot of different things. But if you start the conversation with what kind of doctors do we need, then you're going to have a conversation about doctors and how much doctors get paid and how to structure doctor practice and so forth, which I think is a little bit beside the point when you're trying to, uh, you know, really address what consumers need. And if you think about a consumer's perspective on primary care, what's the problem I have today and what solution do I want to solve it? I think it's becoming more and more of an open question whether going to my primary care physician's office is always the right answer to do all of those jobs. Yes, I might want that relationship in an ongoing basis to help me as you know bigger problems come up uh, in my health, or to manage that longitudinal wellness. But if I've got sore throat or the sniffles, maybe I just want to be seen now and not wait until I can get in to see my doctor. One of the things that I do uh, get frustrated with, though, in, in all these investments is the pushback from the policy community, which I think is kind of a knee-jerk reaction that says, oh, this is just increasing utilization. So, oh, you're adding a telemedicine service and now people are go getting telemedicine and they're getting in-person visits or you add urgent care and now people are going to an urgent care clinic and they're going to a primary care doctor. And my, my response to that is, you know, so what? I mean, I think what that tells you is there was pent up demand for those services. We're not gonna bend the cost curve of healthcare by making the 6% or whatever it is that's primary care less expensive. I don't think our goal should be to make primary care less expensive. I think our goal should be to make primary care more accessible and more utilized. And I, and I do think that's one of the things that these innovators are, are really pushing on. Earlier this month, the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine called for a primary care provider for every person. Lisa, how realistic is that? You know, first, let's just baseline and say that, you know, no matter how you calculate the numbers, we are short on primary care physicians as a country. Whether our goal should be a primary care physician for every person um, might be a little bit too limiting, uh, both for the supply issues that you mentioned, Alex, as well as, you know, is that what every consumer is looking for? Uh, what we really need is that every person who wants a primary care physician can have one and have that relationship, and that every person can be connected to a network of primary care solutions that provides convenient, coordinated care uh, that, you know, delivers ready access uh, to anyone who needs it. Uh, and that ready access can be met by meeting with my doctor, meeting with a nurse practitioner, physician's assistant, doing a telemedicine visit. Um, all of those are valuable ways of being connected to primary care. And, you know, where a system of care can, you know, really differentiate itself is by making sure that all of those are interconnected and that the different uh, channels by which we reach patients don't become silos. Do you think that any leaders in your experience are, or innovators are 
approaching it in that way and are having success? Or do you feel like the shift is still occurring? No, I mean, I don't think there's any one organization or one concept that is, you know, clearly dominant or clearly right answer. I think, uh, you know, like a lot of things, and this is going to be an unsatisfying answer, but what we really need is an all of the above approach. Um, there, you know, that we need more of everything uh, at the front end of the delivery system. I think one thing is clearly true, which is that we, because of the incentives that we put in place, because of the reimbursement structure that we have, um, which is a whole separate conversation that would be interesting to have at some point, you know, why decisions get made this way, we've way over invested in, in specialized care. Medicine is very subspecialized. We highly reward, uh, you know, the most exotic specialties, and that's fine in terms of driving clinical innovation. And we have the greatest specialty care in the world. There's no question; people come from everywhere for our specialty care. We've dramatically underinvested in routine, everyday care and preventative care, uh, and so we need every form of that uh, that we can get our hands on um, at, at at almost whatever price uh, we need to pay for it because whatever the price is, it's going to be lower than what we're paying now uh, for the health outcome that we're getting. Many of these primary care startups target Medicare Advantage patients because of the capitated payment model. The CEO of one of these plans, Dr. Sachin Jain, who runs the Scan Health Plan, wrote in a recent Health Affairs article that we need primary care providers to be confident generalists and refer patients to specialists less. So do you think this is even possible without first having larger scale payment changes outside of MA? That is the kind of payment model that allows you to push the care model and you truly have everyone working at top of licensed care. We've talked about this for you know decades now, uh, but you're right. The payment has to change to support it to where you have uh, you know, nurses and others who are taking tasks off of the physician's plate so that a primary care physician can focus on more intensive management of a patient with diabetes or heart failure before sending them on to the specialist. Um, the place where we see the most innovation and where this is happening the quickest clearly is Medicare Advantage. And it, you know, and it's that risk-based payment that lets you do it. Are different payment incentives enough to address some of these larger standing issues with primary care? A lot of the challenges that we're talking about right now with primary care, you have to go way upstream to really start to address it, by which I mean medical education. So how do we even train doctors? And even before you get to medical education, what kind of doctor do we want people to grow up to be? Because for the last 35 or 40 years, you know, all the way through the culture, you know, every TV show you watch about medicine, you know, any, any of that all is geared toward the hotshot surgeon. Uh, and you know, that's where the prestige is. That's where the money is to be made. You're going to have a fancy car and a mansion and a, and a, you know, you're going to be very well compensated. And so, you know, mom wants you to grow up to be a brain surgeon, you know, when mom wants you to grow up to be a primary care doctor, then you'll know, uh, that we've really gotten somewhere or more to the point when mom wants you to grow up to be a nurse practitioner, that's when you'll really know. That was Dr. Lisa Belomovich and Chaz Rhodes, co-founders of GIST Healthcare. Thanks for listening to GIST Healthcare Daily. I'm Alex Olkin. You can check out more insights on healthcare business and policy news on GISTHealthcare.com. 
Just Healthcare Daily is an independent production of Just Healthcare. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.